What's up, everyone? Welcome to an all-new Unbuckled Chin Strap. This is your host, Paul Rabel, and I had the championship game, league, and attackman of the year, MVP across the board, Matt Rambo, on the show. So beyond that, we talk about everything. His upbringing in lacrosse, going to the ESPYs over trying out for Team USA, what it was like getting the ball in his stick with 10 seconds left, trying to tie the game against the Redwoods on national television, to getting the ball in his stick in overtime and deciding to go to the net and score the game-winning goal. There's a lot of other stuff we discuss. This is Matt Rambo, and I won't go beyond that because it's just a good show. Take it away. What's up, young bull? What up, old head? Yo, show that glass, man. You already know it. We got the Terps rocking. I got the Hopkins glass. We're both drinking makers. You already know it, makers. <laughs> Hopkins. Hopkins glass. Would have been a That's great right. weekend. That's right. I forgot. We we were going to have, what, the 120-something? What was it? Uh, in the hundreds. I don't know the exact yeah. number. It's just a battle. It's a bloodbath every time. That was supposed to be this past Saturday. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I don't even know. I think it would have been at Maryland this year, too. I think it was at Hopkins. Yeah, it impact. Oh, every time. It's the best game. What was your record when you played Hopkins? Uh, I just know my senior year I beat them. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so, so you guys lost more, but you, uh, but you won the big one, but... No, I don't. I think it's almost an even split. I mean, yet yeah. we're talking playoffs. We won it when it mattered in playoffs one year in the Final Four. I think we were three and three and one, but we got our asses handed to us my sophomore year when Joe Walters took over. But my junior and senior year, we jumped off because we were on those losing streaks, and we'd play Maryland, and then yeah. we used that to turn our season because the game was so meaningful. Yeah, it's a, it's a meaningful game. I know I lost my freshman year at Hopkins. Maybe my one my I think we were just going back and forth almost every game. It's always it's just battles. Yeah, it's the best game ever. How do you get fired up before those games? Do you have any pregame rituals? Uh, no, I'm kind of just chill. I kind of just sit back, relax. People are stringing their sticks, hitting the wall, shooting 20 20- thousand times i kind of go out take a couple shots go back in i'm ready that's what practice is for all week you just got to be cool (laughs) so uh, you've never been overly intense you were pretty intense after your first goal against the woods in the championship (laughs) no it kind of reminded me of the jordan thing motherfucker let's fucking go that's right i mean i'm hype all the time but you know you don't want to get too high before games because then the energy might rub off the wrong way or whatnot so I kind of keep it calm and cool. Then once you put you step over that line, it's fucking war. Yeah, you talk a lot of shit. Sometimes when I need to talk shit, you got to you. you got after McMahon a bit. Yeah, McMahon, McMahon, and I go a little way back. Um, I don't even think I talked that much shit. I think he was just. There's so many defensemen out there. I, I don't even remember what I was saying to McMahon to tell you the truth. <laughs> I think you were probably that he was like you were saying he was he wasn't strong. He's not strong. He's not strong. Well, he's not that strong, but (laughs) he's very good. I'll give him that. He was really hard to go against this year. He's so big, but 
he's not the strongest defenseman. Like Eppel and Don are way stronger. Yeah. What's your style like? You think you you because um, you went after the strong guy. I mean, you go after Tucker, go after Eppel. Dunn's yeah. on your squad. Thank God. What's the best? What's the most difficult defender you go up against? Uh, probably like Eppel and I mean Eppel Tucker so hard to go against just because me and Tucker just know each other so well too. I thought Newman was really hard too to go against. He's just super athletic, but. Some people have more team defense than other team defense because I remember we played the chaos or that playoff game, I think it was, and uh, yeah. they were more like shutting me off behind, not letting me get the ball, and we were cool with that. It's like, you know, five on five from up top with two shorties. We'll take that all day. It's hard to slide on five on five too without not having someone wide open. So Channing was having a field day down the alley. Yeah. You get frustrated with that though? No. When, you, when you're shut? You don't? No, why why get frustrated? It just makes our lives easier. Go five on five is a lot easier to score than six on six. I'll sit back there, get the ball when it goes out of balance and do my thing. But if my boys can do it, then I don't gotta do anything. Yeah, that's a good point because it's different. When you're shut off as a midfielder, I used to get shut off almost every game. Um, you don't have the luxury of picking the ball up off the ground or off the end line, I should say. Um, I remember that being the case because in, in, we used to play shut off against Mundorf and Ned Crotty, like all the top players. There's a, right. there's a scenario that you want to throw out. But with ex-attackmen, they, they can still get greasy and get the ball off the end line and attack. Just fake shoot it over the top or something. Well, it's also different. If you're going to shut me off with a short stick, then I'm probably not going to sit back there. I'm probably going to try and break open to get the ball or become a picker that draw switches or – when you're shutting off, there's not a lot of switches, so it's just going to be a straight go ahead for the other guy. Yeah. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys doing during this quarantine time? <laughs> you, Baptiste, Blaze. How's life, it's man? It's just life is great over here. We're not. Uh, we're. I feel like we're beating the shit out of quarantine and this coronavirus. Not, you know, we don't have it, so I don't want to like jinx myself. I'm not going some wood, but. Uh, we're just like working out every day. We have my trainer from my high school. We go to his gym at his house. We're the only people that are using it. So we feel pretty safe there. And uh, he's also a chiropractor. So I usually get adjusted all the time. But we're just working out like harder than ever. And it's such a great time to work out too just because uh, our indoor season all is shut down. So it actually for the first time feels like all three of our bodies feel like back to like college bodies again, where you're healthy, you're not playing 11 months out of the year and you're just jumping from season to season with two weeks notice. So right now my body is probably one of the best it's ever been in a, uh, probably in the last two years. And um, we're all getting so much stronger, like Trevor and blaze and Tucker are all so strong and we're just pushing each other. And it's just a competition. We're all so competitive over there. That's how all the cross guys are. We're just so competitive and we're just, grinding out um we're just eating healthy cooking good food and playing some video games throwing the ball around when we can i mean we got kicked yeah. off we got kicked off a couple fields so it's pretty hard to yeah. fill now <laughs> i know that i got kicked off a bunch early and i just haven't gone back i go play against the wall in my garage are you um are you living your best life right now all the way around always living my best life baby you're always yo but you're have you had the best year of your career last year doesn't mean i can't do it better this year, right? Is that what you're, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, right? Is that what you're trying to do? 
I mean, you're always trying to improve from the year before. So I'm just trying to, you know, live my best life. Life's too short to, you know, be sad and dwell all the time. Go live. That's how I, that's my motto. What do you think, uh, what do you think the difference was between, um, 2018 and 2019. So you, you graduated from Maryland, you won the Twerton, uh, best life in college there, best year you had. And then, um, you know, rookie year in the pros, you're all right. Yeah. Probably, probably figuring out what pro lacrosse was and then boom, PLL launches and, and you have, you know, the best summer of anyone in the league. Uh, was there anything that clicked or was it more like, Hey, let me, let me mature into professional lacrosse. I think it was a mixture of both. Like, let me mature into, a, you know, a professional player. And I think Jake Bernhardt really helped me out with that. He would call me and be like, it's time to become a professional. You're not in college anymore. You're not running around and you can't just do everything. People are coming after spots. So he really got me laser focused for that season. But I just think between uh, the MLL and the PLL, uh, I played at Charlotte and I have so much respect for the organization there because they've done so much for me, but um, it was so hard to really get up for a game. And when there's like 300 people in the stands and it's not on national TV, it's not hard to play, but when you're playing in front of a huge crowd and it's the intensity level goes straight up, it's like I was playing in college in front of thousands of fans and then I go to play professional cross and there's not that many people there. So uh, it was definitely a, a change and just coming in halfway through the season, your rookie year, cause that league used to start in like April. So I missed like half the year. So it was just like, it was just, just a weird, weird situation. And then when the PLL launched, I was, uh, I was full go. I was like, all right, this is awesome. This is what's going to, you know, make or break it. And I think a lot of the uh, reasons I had such a great year was I played indoor for the first time, and that really helped my game out tremendously. And I know you played, and um, yeah. I, it probably helped your game out too so much. And I'm just so thankful I, I got this opportunity in Philly to play. So, so you, uh, I want you to think about this because obviously you're at the the top of the charts and points. You led. You I mean you set a record in, in points for a player at Maryland, but. You know, you're you do a lot of things really well. Probably you do a lot of things great, uh, but I, I never find I haven't found anyone that describes your game like in a very specific way. Like Rambo's a fucking unbelievable dodger or a six shooter, or you know he's uh, he's got great balance. It's always a bit of everything. How do right. you think about yourself? Like if if I was like, what's the best thing that you do? Is there anything that you do really well, or are you just like, hey, I approach the game across the board and I'm, and I think like the sum of all parts is the best. Um, I mean, I just think over time you've just become so well at so many things, but right now I think I'm just so in this, uh, trying to master kind of like a John Grant jr. Thing where you're like mastering the body pressure. And I think this year I was getting into so many defensemen's hands. It's so hard for them to throw a check or to even push off because once they throw a check or push, they're lunging or they're out of position so for me, I had so many assists this year just because once I get in defenseman hands, when you're in tight, any attackman in a PLL, if you have one step in tight of five yards, you can let it go. So for me, it was just keeping my head up the whole time, getting the defenseman's hand and just get ready for the slide to come because it's such a hard thing for a defenseman. You talk to any defenseman, they're like, shit, this guy's in my hands. I can't really do anything. 
besides read yeah. him. And once you see someone starting to slide and when you have outside shooters like Channy, then it's going to just be everything opens up so much more too. So I think just for me, it was just dodging with your body. And I've been trying to teach that with my clinics and one-on-one lessons and everything. And I just think box helped me get that physical that physicality towards my game so much better. So for me, I think just being like a physical Dodgers, because you don't see that so much. There's only a couple of us in the PL that really gets into defenseman every single time. Yeah. How do you practice? Is, is it like, do you practice that or is it more mental reps? Because it's hard to, I had this conversation a few times with a, a number of attackmen that have, have been great at it. And, you know, they, it's a tricky thing because you have to get used to that defender's pressure and so you almost have to have someone that you're working on. It's like a post-up right. because mental reps just ain't going to do it. It, re- it requires like you, you just got to – you've got to commit to it, right? You can't go half in. You got to go all the way in. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get crushed. You're going to get crushed. You're going to get thrown right. like a mad dog. If you're going half-ass <laughs> in with your body straight up. I always always taught at Maryland, Coach someone would have pads or Coach Reppert always had pads and they would like hit us or someone would hit us and uh defensemen like scout team guys and you just learn how to repressure and build off pressure and it's just reps it's just something that you just get used to and used to and used to and for me it's the low man wins it's not about like your shoulders being low it's about getting your ass down low and just being lower than the guy it's in any sport usually the low man wins football wrestling anything like that even basketball you're lower than that guy they're just going to ride over top of you what about uh what about vision? So you got a bunch of assists this year. Uh you've always been on a feed well, but um have you picked up other things this year uh, that this past season? Yeah, I think with the box game and everything, they just gave me such a tighter window to feed people inside or uh everything has to literally be on your ear inside in the box game. So for me it was just you know, feeding the guy where his stick is. If it sticks low, feed it low. If it's a stick high, feed it right there. And other thing that I've been really trying to work on is just like spot feeding. So throw the ball where he's going to be when he's cutting. And it's such a hard thing to do when, you know, guys are cutting so fast. So my whole thing was, you know, if I'm hung behind, throw the ball where the guy's going to end up so he can just run right into it. So there, those little things I've been picking up and I'm still learning a lot about the, the feeding game. I wasn't the biggest feeder at Maryland my first two years. And as I progressed throughout my season, I worked on feeding just because so many early slides are coming and uh same thing with the pll i'm just you know head up just ready to go and just you see stick throw it there how do you uh how do you make a decision i remember going through this process too and indoor help basketball helped me a bunch too when do you make a decision to pass in front of you to the immediate open person or hesitate hold pressure and skip through like is uh, that is that instinctual or are you yeah, are you always trying to make that play I think it's just in your instincts. Uh, I'm a type of Because you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's pretty hard to explain it. I I don't really know how to explain it just because when I'm dodging and the more I think when I'm dodging, I think the worse I do because I'm thinking about step by step. And we've been playing this game. I've been playing the game for 20 years. I'm sure you've been playing it for a little bit longer because you're an old head now. Yeah, yeah. So I think I still got tricks and I got still got tricks in the bag. You haven't even seen yet, dog. I've seen around the world. So um, (laughs) I think it's uh, I think it's just instinct and you just play. Don't think let your body do it. You do so many reps over your lifetime. But, you know, if I sometimes I like to hold for a quick second to see if I can get a two pointer in for Channy. 
Yeah. Kenny's a better shooter. Yeah, he's this, got he's got, got that range. You got that range still? You had a couple this year. Hell yeah, I got the range, man. I used to have the record. I know. Now Channy has the record. Are you bummed out about that? <laughs> no, nah, I'm not bummed out about it. You've been having a lot of inside goals too. You're looking like an attackman sometimes down I, low. I, that, I'm going to shift to attack at some point before it's all said and done. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got you know I got some of the best hands. I just don't get to show it because of coming out of the midfield, you don't get you don't get as many reps. So so hold on. You uh, there then there's then there's a balance of. All right, I, you have to play loose, you have to play instinctual, and you make these decisions and you have to be okay with, uh, when you go for it, this is the thing about turnovers and ball possession. It's, it's like in basketball, your point guard's always going to have the most, most turnovers because they have the ball the most and they're making the best feeds. Right. And, uh, and your top offensive players are going to have the most turnovers because they're going for it. So right. like I've got, I had the most turnovers for my team, you had the most turnovers for your team. Schreiber had the most turnovers for his team because you go for it. Right. Uh, but then you get caught in the shit with your coach. So, oh, yeah. so when you're when you're going for it, uh, there was that one game where you and Stags got into it. And so, yeah. how do you handle yeah. that situation? San Francisco against the Chrome. I got benched. You got I benched a little bit. Just yeah, a you got benched. Yeah. What I happens? Got, uh, because is because he he got into you on a shot that he thought was a bad shot and then you chirped him back and he wasn't having it. Uh, it was just, I, I, I would blame that on me. I thought it was a good shot, but he didn't think it was a good shot. And it was just a mixture of like that whole game. We were like down like 11, three before halftime to the chrome and they were just, anything was going in for them and nothing was going on for us. So I think we were just getting in um, I think Stags, me and Stags been together for, it's what I was our third year together. Um, yeah. so we have, we have such a good like father son relationship. So we get after it, uh, at each other, but we're just so competitive. So sometimes he says stuff, sometimes I say stuff, but after the game, we were cool. We were chilling. Um, we talked after <laughs> the game. I actually went down to the beach with my family and I called him on that Monday. I was like, you know what? I'll call him on Monday. We called it. And he was like, you can't say some things to me. I can't say things to you. And that was it. And he was like, let's just not make this happen again. We're having such a great year together. So let's keep it going. And after that, I actually bought a relationship so much tighter. And I think that can happen. I think that's happened with like so many people with their relationship with their coaches. Like you see Tom Brady and Belichick, you see him arguing and they're always fighting and stuff. And I think it's such a healthy relationship though, because I don't want to be walked all over what I see and he wants to see stuff that he doesn't want to be walked all over. So it's just, we're at that professional thing and uh, sometimes shit happens and uh, you disagree. So. Yeah. It's a unique thing. You, yeah. You see it even on the Jordan doc that's running right now is like what people don't realize. And this is with coaches in football that have difficulty moving from college coaching to pro and even vice versa, pro coaches moving to college and the same thing in lacrosse and basketball is you're dealing with different human beings. Yeah. You're dealing at the pro level with almost your peers. There are right. some coaches, even in the NFL that are younger than some of the players that they're coaching. And so the relationship is going to naturally take a different course and you're going to have impasses in college. It's a lot more hierarchical where it's like, all right, I'm your boss and you're yeah. going to obey my command. Uh, some coaches are do a really good job of threading that needle, 
But for the most part, pro is very different, man. You've got guys that are in their 30s. I mean, you know, our coach this season is Ben Rubior, and he's my age. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's happened to me at Maryland where me and Coach Rapper and me and Coach Tillman, we got in arguments. I think it's just what happens when you're such a competitor and you believe in something and you believe in yourself and your team. So it helped us out. Stags has full trust on me. He gives me the green light whenever I want. So we got a good thing going over at the whip snakes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yo, what, um, so what motivates you? I'm looking at our notes here and I'm looking at, all right, do I take Rambo down to, being ranked number two in the high school rankings to Jordan Evans and, you know, no disrespect. I'm not sure who that is. Um, and you know, this guy, you know, Rambo used to shoot the ball 102 miles an hour. I don't know. He's not shooting the ball that fast anymore. Cause I don't you know, get the chance. I don't get the chance to get a three point line. They're lucky. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, how do I get here? I want to know what you think about, like what pisses you off? Cause I'll tell you what pisses me off, but l- let me hear you. I think during college, what pissed me off was not winning a championship. And then now in the pros is I don't want fucking anyone to take that championship away from me. So whatever we did last year with the whip snakes, you better work twice as hard because guess what? Everyone's coming from you. We might be the most hated team because we got the first ring. So everyone's coming for you. You better work twice as hard and you better be fucking ready to go every single game. So for me, it's like, we got something to prove again, just because you won it last year doesn't mean shit this year. So let's go out and prove everyone wrong again. Yeah. I, I'm sure Stags, so Stags does a great job on his leadership programs, but I remember, uh, so I've got a relationship with the sports uh, psychologist for the San Antonio Spurs and I want to drop this on you. So Coach Pop is uh, has always said publicly, like, we're never, and he does a great job of this, but he's like, we're never going to have the same bite that we had before we ever won a championship because that mentality is like full of piss and vinegar. You're out to prove. It was like, the, again, the Jordan doc when they couldn't beat the Pistons and all of a sudden they had so much to prove. And then Pop would, will tell his team, all right, we won a, we've won a championship. There's no way that we can all of a sudden go back and morph into that mentality of having never won before. So we have to recreate our new motivator. And a lot of coaches don't have that perspective They'll be like, new year, we got to win a championship again and have that same mentality. So you're talking about playing defense now and how, uh, you know, and I think that, that there's some power to that. But how are you, How I mean, it's one thing to say it, but how are you going to back it now when, team, when you do have a target on your back? Right. Uh, I mean, we did this last year and we kind of just took everything in like five, five minute periods. You know what? You win this five-minute period. Don't look forward. Don't look back at what happened last time. So that's what we kind of talked about over, you know, some Zooms and FaceTime since we didn't have uh, training camp. And it's just throwing ideas out there with our team. We haven't been all together yet, so we don't know what our theme this year is. And I think that, you know, for Jordan, it's like this is the last answer, last time go around. So we don't really have a theme yet, but all we know is everyone's trying to go after us. So. We're not going to look in the playoffs. We don't, we're not even in playoffs. Who knows if we'll make playoffs, but we got to win every single game, and that's our mentality is, you know what? what who's up next? What are we going to do? What's the next play? It's not really 
you know, well, we got to win a championship. It's more like we got to win this next game. And I think that's how it is with a lot of teams. I'm sure that's how it is with the Atlas. It's not like, let's go win this championship. It's like, no, we got to be blah, blah, blah this week before we can yeah. look forward. So we're always just trying to get better every day and just trying to win the day. That's how the whip snakes been doing it uh, last year. And this year we've been keeping in contact with everyone. It's like, did you win today or no? Like, what did you do today? If you didn't do shit, go do something, right? Everyone's coming after you. So go win today. So tomorrow you don't lose. And now a quick break in the conversation with Rambo. This show is brought to you by Ticketmaster, our official ticketing partner and powered by presenting sponsor of the Premier Lacrosse League. If you haven't already, make sure you hop on iTunes or Google Play to download the Ticketmaster app. It's in my home screen. It gives me access to any show or sporting event that is available in my market and they are the best, quite simply. So download the Ticketmaster app, and when we're back in town, you can purchase your tickets for a PLL game via Ticketmaster. Do you think it was uh, it was advantageous for you guys to have so many Maryland guys on the team because you had that baked-in chemistry? You talk about Jake. You never played with Jake Bernhardt, or did you? Right, no, I never have. So, so there is only like one degree of separation because he treats you like his own, right. but he never played with you. Um, do you think it was advantageous that you guys had a bunch of your peers with you? I just say, my bad. We have so many pro terps. <laughs> <laughs> do you my guys, uh, my you guys been zooming a lot? My yeah, bad. man. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But, uh, no, I mean, I played with like, uh, Jake's little brother and everything. So yeah. we always had a relationship and uh Jared. Jared's playing football, huh? Um, I, I'm not sure. I talked to Coach Tillman the other day. I know he's going through a process like where can he play? Can he play at Maryland and play lacrosse? Can he play at a D two and play? I, I don't really know his whole thing, but you know what? Why not play uh play football? Go do something. You never know what can happen. Yeah, that's right. Get that makers in you. But do you yeah. think that's uh do you think that's a Pat Spencer effect? Because it's not I, just Jared. It's a few it's a few people that are looking yeah, to jump. I know that Doc's Aiken, he's a Philly guy. He's playing football at Villanova. I think it's like, you know what? I was such a good athlete and you know, lacrosse can do so much, but maybe I have a breakout year like Chris Hogan has and see what happens. Like yeah. I think that would be super cool. Give it a chance. I don't even know Pat Spencer's uh status on anything i know the wings uh have him and do um, they yeah we picked him up well the archers have him too and i know that uh he's looking at the nba summer league but if they don't get out he he might make a run then all of a sudden you have i mean so you have pinnell in the league now pinnell was on the podcast and he was like yo everyone forgot about me rambo's the attackman of the year but Y'all forget that I was the MVP the year before. What do you think about that? Uh, I think, I mean, let's. you got to prove it this year. Let's see what you got. I know you were the MVP last year or two years ago in the MLL, but it's a whole different game in the PLL. It's a lot more people are a lot more hungrier, and it's a different type. Of, the field is so much different, so it's different styles. I mean, I have respect for Pinnell. He was, you know, he's great. But, uh, I mean, you got to come through the whip snakes defense and we got the best defense in the league for sure. 
Don't, uh, you know, you got to come by us. Got Earhart, Matt, Dunn, Bryce, Tim. Our D middies are locked down. So you got to get through our defense. It ain't a one-on-one game in the PLL. It's a whole thing now. Yeah. Your defense, you, you protected the, the coaches protected the whole defense because they knew they play as a unit. Yeah. Well, they what do you, what do you think about better. losing some of the guys that you did to the expansion uh, draft? I mean, it stinks. I knew it was going to happen. I played with Connor Kelly for five years now. So, uh, four or five years. So it, it sucks losing Connor Kelly and Drew Snyder was such a good leader and, uh, it sucks losing him. He was my roommate too. So he's always fun to hang out with. I and didn't know you guys were roommates. So you, you saw him going th- his, his pregame routine was going through Raya. <laughs> I don't know his pre, uh, pregame. That's you what he told me. Him. He said he would swipe on Raya the night before games. That ain't that bad, right? Go on Raya's swipe, <laughs> see if you get a match for after the game. <laughs> but uh, so, he, he's the best. He's he's a fashion dude, and he, he taught me a lot. And he taught me a lot about being a professional. He's been in the league for oh, – is he the same year as you? Nah, he's he's a little bit younger, but he's he's uh, he's a consummate professional. He's traveled and for a while. He's won a bunch of championships, so he kind of had a great mentality this year. And he was—he's uh, more laid back like me too. But uh, but when he gets on the field, he's a, he's a killer. So it sucked losing him, and you know. But but we picked up good guys, and we'll see what happens with this whole NCAA draft. I know that sh- that's all messed up and whatnot. Yeah. But everything's going on, so it's it's just, it's just a bizarre time. But whatever, you lose a yeah. guy, next man up. Joe LaCastro is working hard. I see him. Yeah. And we got yeah, the – No one gives John beast. Hall some respect either. John Hall is the most underrated player in the league. He's a silent assassin though. I mean, he almost could have won MVP in the championship game. He was dropping – I think he had three three goals that game. Yeah, he, he had important goals. So yeah. championship game, let's talk about that. Yeah. So you, uh, you played in three at, at Maryland – Right. Uh, I played in three, so I know the vibe. Oh yeah. When you uh, when you were approaching that game, you were announced league MVP the night before. Um, you say you you play loose, but first question is: Did you think about? Did you have more pressure knowing that you were going in the championship game as a league MVP, and did you feel like you needed to perform? I think I had more pressure playing in Philly in my city with so many fans and family and friends there than uh, not, not that they give me pressure. Like if you lose, we're not you know going to love you, but it's like, you got a shitload of people coming out here. You got to prove it. I mean, the league MVP was for the regular season. That shit's done with now it's playoff time. So yeah. I wasn't really thinking about that. Like, yeah, it was great that I won the league MVP. I got my, I got the only goal right now that I have written down. Like, yeah, league MVP, blah, blah, blah is great. But I'm a team guy. I don't really, the individual stuff is great, but you win individual stuff by being on a great team and being a good position. So yeah, if you made, had your stats and you guys didn't make the playoffs, you wouldn't have been league MVP. I, I probably agree with that because it's typically the way it goes. Right. So I think to your point, like you gotta, you gotta be on the team and the two work hand in hand. Honestly, I've said this before, but I think the narrative that coaches or other, you know, kind of outside influences speak to team sports as if it is binary is it's the team 
ahead of the me where the it's actually the amalgam of the me's that make the team and like kind of the theory that you need six honorable mention all americans i always question like why not six first team all americans you know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. and that was the way I thought about it because I think a lot of people feel guilt around writing down a goal of wanting to be a league MVP because that can feel selfish, but it's not. Yeah. Um, not. Did you I write mean, that down? You said you wrote it down. Did you write that shit down? I don't, I don't write it down in like a notebook, but it's in my head. I had a but couple, that's what you wanted. I wanted, uh, I wanted to have a breakout year, but you know, from day one in training camp was to win the championship. And you know, that was our only goal. And, you know, Joe LaCasio, John Hall, Dylan Moll, Jay Carlson, they all were just, you know, finishing the ball for me. If they didn't finish the ball, maybe I wouldn't have that many assists or yeah. whatnot. So uh, you got to give it to them. So that championship game was, uh, was pretty wild. So so give me the reel on, uh, on the fourth quarter when Joe Walters hit that goal to go up. And, uh, you got, and then they won the faceoff where you guys got it back, called a timeout. Uh, Drew Snyder talked about the play. But what were you thinking, like walking to the huddle and then walking out of the huddle? Um, I know the whole like second half when we were in the locker room, Stacks was like, be assertive, get the ball. Like you need to start going more. Because I think at the time I only had like one goal and I think like three assists. So he was like, you need to start going to the net more. Like go ahead, keep going, keep going. So like walking in that huddle, I'm like, shit, all right, let's go. And Stacks like, you're getting the ball. And I'm like, perfect, that's what I want. And uh, the play was great design, you know, a little flip play, trying to get the little matchup switch because at the time the Redwoods were staying on their picks or they were switching. So if they were staying on their picks, we were going to take a pick off and I was going to run down the middle of the field. But they they stayed and he went around it. And we had that backside mumbo. You can't leave Channy wide open on a two-pointer yeah. to win the game. And we had John Hollis coming in and he's a great finisher inside, but – Seemed like no one was sliding. Everyone was too, uh, like, player conscious. And somehow I went down the middle of the field and I kept my stick in tight. I knew he was trail checking me. So I kind of just put it bottom low and to see what happened. And, oh, man, what a feeling that could be. I mean, it yeah. was right, right in front of the Whip Snakes fans, too. Oh, man, I couldn't even write that up. And I was like, holy shit, let's go. I'm yeah. to fuck up. I, no, I was calling the game. That. I was on the side. I'm like, damn, that is crazy. So did you feel uh, when, when coach calls your number and you're walking out there, is there any type of jolting around like, all right, fuck, this is, uh, this is on me? It's kind of like, all right, he's giving you the ball. He has the most trust in you right now. And uh, this is going to like make or break at this game. So it's just like full on psycho mode and just going straight. Let's get, let's try and win this for the team and let's win this for the, uh, the boys. But I also had like Channy in the back of my head, like if Channy pops open, he could hit a two pointer to win this shit too. So it, be it, was a wrap, definitely, yeah. it was definitely so many emotions going on, but I was ready for it. And I was like, this could, you know, make or break it. This could make your career and everything. But you know, at the time when it was going out, it's like, all right, let's go. Everyone's watching. This is what you wanted your whole life. This is what you dream about. NBC, yep. Yeah, so in Philly, let's go. In Philly, damn. Yeah. So, all right, so overtime. So you get the ball. Ty Warner clears it. Um, you attack when, when they, they don't seem like they're ready. Was that uh, instinctual? 
Or were you like, all right, if I get this ball, I'm going to fucking go. I got the ball and I kind of searched for one second. I saw Drew Snyder. I think it was Drew was running behind. They set a pick. So I was like, oh, he's sending the pick for my right hand. And I kind of just fake used it. And by the time I swung move uh, Landis, you know, I had like a step or a step and a half on him, which is really hard defense too, because his, his stick was all over my hands and there was no slide. And when I turned that corner at five yards, I was like, holy shit, I see all far side right now. And I saw Trowner was talking about it. Like, yeah, I knew he was going there, but I didn't want to jump off. And I saw that, you know, so much of that outside net. And I was like, you see, take net, it. Net. That's what you do. Hand man. speed versus hand speed at that stage. Yeah. And I shot it. And honestly, I didn't even know it went in until I heard like everyone screaming. And I was like, holy shit, let's go. Yeah. Obviously, I got to run back to my boy, Kyle Burnler. He's, he's yeah. such a good guy. And it's his he's first such a good dude. First championship. He kept us in the whole year. He's, you know, top, top goalie in the league, him and. I, I mean, all the goalies were so fucking good this year. What the hell? But yeah, was, what's up I, with that? He was so. Why do you up. think that that was the case? I have my theory, but I mean, my theory is shot clock shorter, field shorter, so many shots equals more saves. That's just yep. on me. But maybe it was just a breakout year for the goalies, and Kyle deserved it. Stags deserved it. You know, it was their first championships. Kyle, Kyle played the lights out too that first half when, you know, two goals. And it's all about lacrosse is all about games or runs. And when can you stop a run? That's my theory is like, when are you going to stop the run? Are you going to stop it at two and that's it? Or they're going to go on like a nine goal run like they did. Then you got to stop. It's all about stopping the runs and momentum right now, especially in the PLL. You see it all the time. Yo, why do you think – why, why do you think uh, earlier in the show you said uh, Eppel was a tough cover? When they assigned you Landis, what were you thinking? Were you like, all right, this is better than Eppel? Or do you um, think Landis is a good cover? Because you chirped him. You owned it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think before the game, Eppel, I co- Eppel covered me. And uh, I had a lot of points against the Redwoods the last two games I played them. So I don't know if they were trying to not mix it up, but – He's so powerful, Eppel, and so he's a strong body that he's pretty hard to go against. But I think they're trying to maybe like, all right, we'll put a faster guy in Rambo. But Landis was chirping a lot during uh, before the game. Landis Island, no one wants to come here, all this shit. So, you know, that's an insult. If you're going to cover me, that's an insult to me. So, uh, you know, you got you to gotta prove someone wrong, but – you know, up. yeah, and you brought your sunscreen to Landis Island, is what you tweeted. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> it wasn't much of an island. <laughs> yeah, but what about you know? So, so tell me the truth on uh, your first goal when you put it short side, because I've oh, yeah. said this before. You know, when you score, when you score, not every goal goes exactly where you're shooting, but at the same time, you know, you miss good place shots by a half an inch. So it goes both ways. You hit a post and exactly where you're going. So if a ball flies out short side and it goes in, you take it. I think it all nets out. Uh, Troutner was on the pod and he was like, yo, that first shot came short side, stick side for me up high. So that held me on my pipe when Rambo turned the corner. Was that a first shot? Tell me about it. You got lucky, didn't you? I can see it. (laughs) 
my first Friday goal of the season, baby. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I just turned and kind of shot it. And uh, I don't know if you got a check and maybe the checks maybe made the shot good yeah. direction. But, you know, I never really thought about that. You know, sometimes good shots don't go where you're exactly where you want to. Sometimes bad shots don't go. So I like that theory. I'm yeah. Do that now. But, uh, yeah, it goes, yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah, it goes both ways. And, you know, now that's going to change how he's going to read my shots now. Maybe that game or maybe forever. Now he doesn't know where it goes because I know goalies have that memory. Like, you know what? He blasted me far pipe now. So maybe the next time we play the Redwoods, I'll blast my near pipe and be like, you thought I was going off pipe there. So, you still you don't, you don't have that 102-mile-an-hour shot, though, in you. You think you shoot faster than me now? Than you? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Who are you talking to? You shoot 110? I don't know if I shoot 110. I could shoot 110 if you wanted me to, but in a game, I try to practice and do everything with my game stick. When I was shooting the ball 110 plus, I would I would rig a stick to go do that, like yeah, a lot of people do. And you're probably aiming to the stand to the right of you, and it was going to dead center. You know, it's all about nah. It's it's all about how far back you can reach when you turn and shoot through. Yeah, because it, it's I, it's just physics, man. It's like how it's like if further you reach back in one motion and you let go, the faster the ball goes. It's like a trebuchet, like yeah. a catapult. Boom. I know, I know. All the guys in the fastest shot competition, they all had like second sticks. They all pull everything. on their sticks. Yeah. You should make that a rule. You're the you're the owner of the league. Let's go. You <laughs> gotta use you gotta use your game stick for the fastest shot. Nah, I'm down with 120 mile an hour shots. Let's see it. So my man, Newman. Can but really you're skipping. That. You're dodging the question, man. Can you shoot 102 miles an hour? How were you able to shoot that in high school? Yeah, well, I shot that in Colorado. Maybe the air was a little bit thinner, <laughs> <laughs> so the ball moves faster. But <laughs> I, I've shot 100, 103 in uh, the. Does Stags year. know that he should put you on the power play, top center? Nah, uh, he puts me top left sometimes. He knows I can bring it. You know I can bring it from the outside. Uh, you ain't score a two-pointer, though, did you? I didn't take one. They're lucky. They're they don't lucky. know what's coming. I might come out of the midfield this year. I'll get back on day. I love it. <laughs> I love when you're Yo, back you, on day. I'll tell you that. I'm I'm down, man. You've seen these checks on Instagram. Yeah, I Rick love Rick Beardsley's about to I, give me a poll. I love when you're on defense. When Rabel's on defense, I'm like, let's yeah. go, baby. I know. I'm going to shift down and start covering you. I know how to cover you. There Get into go. my hands. That's when I'll throw a rap check. Six on five. Here we go, baby. Rabel's on the field defense. <laughs> Early slide coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I squat. I'll get low. And once you get in my hands, I'll bait you. You'll lean in. I'll go over the head, and it's over. I know how to defend you. I was trying to tell Tucker how to do it. What's I was that? like, Tuck, is every time he leans, give him space, come over the top, and it's a wrap for Rambo. Um, Clancy from the uh, Chaos, he's hard yeah, he's to good. go against because he's – He throws good checks. He's grabbing and he's wrap checking. He's, he's, he's got that down. I remember going against a guy when I was playing, which was a long time ago in college. I played against this guy, Mike Ward, who would do that same thing, throw checks nonstop. And the crazy thing is, the reason why it's good defense is you give up position, but if those guys don't bail on the play, they end up missing the first check, you get by them, and then they cut.
come back with a trail check as a slide comes. Right. They're just on your back waiting for your stick. And they're just throwing, they're throwing like an underhand one hand check. As soon as you pull back to make a pass too, because you drew a slide. And you're not used to, I'm not used to, if a uh, short pull is covering me, I'm used to him just like being like, all right, let me break down on his hips or something. But I'm not used to some short pick just swinging it, stick around. You know, Tower is listening to this too. Towers is going to D you up with, with McClancy next year. Uh oh. Well, we got uh, we got our we got the best team. Mid. We got Ty Warner and Jake Bernhardt. Jake's a beast, huh? He was the leader of your team. Yeah, he's such a good dude. Him it's and a, Earhart. Him and his his whole family is such a great family, and uh, you yeah, know, we we played a lot for Jake too. A couple games this year, so it was just a it was just a great, great, great family, great guy. And I'm happy Jesse's in the Jesse's in the league this year. Too. Yeah. I would like him on my team. Yeah, Jesse's a beast. I think everyone would. Yeah, yeah, he's a hoss. He, he, and you know, I got a chance to win a gold medal with Jesse, and I played on two world teams with him in 2014, where we got silver, and 2018 when we won gold. Are you? uh, Is that is that what's next for you, Team USA? Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to do Team USA. I know I tried out in uh, 2018, right out of college, and uh, I kind of went to like one or two tryouts, and I actually got I got an invitation to the ESPYS award. So it was like, do the tryout when you know you're just a young buck in college, and there's so many professionals that are established, or do you do a once in a lifetime ESPY red carpet? So. I went with my dad. I brought my dad to the ESPYs and was like, let's do it. And uh, such a great time. The after parties are fun. My dad actually went to uh, high school for a year with Eddie George. Uh, my dad used to drive him. He was he lived down the street from Eddie George. So Eddie George is walking down the carpet. My dad's like, yo, what up, Eddie? And Eddie looked at my dad and was like, yo, how do I know you? He goes, I used to drive you to school every day when you were a freshman. I was a senior. He goes, Rambo? And he goes, yeah, this is my son. He's up for a award. And they were like dapping up, hugging. It was hysterical. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. It was, it was Eddie George bad. is a good dude. Really good dude. I spent some time with him in New York and uh, just solid guy. Knows a lot about, obviously, was, sports. Cares a lot about performance. Really gets smart Gets the dude. perspective of the athlete. Yeah, really smart, smart dude. dude. Yeah. It was funny. The SBs, I ever, at the, we're at the after party. And everyone's coming up and they're coming up to my dad and they're like, yo, so who are you representing here? And my dad's just like, I ain't representing anyone. I'm just here with my son. <laughs> it was hilarious. So, what after like, party were you at? You were just bouncing around or what? Uh, we were just, just after the thing. There's like all the athletes went up to like the Staples Center after party. I don't know really where it was. I was so young at the time. But uh, it was it was great. Was it know, worth it, man? Do you feel like you you feel like you would have made the team or nah? Uh, I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have made it at that point in my career. Uh, I was so young, and I just felt like you know one tryout's not going to make or break the team. And I know like the USA has so many like you play every what four years, and you know there's so many expeditions. Yeah. There's so many games going on before that. So just one tryout and think it and. There's not going to be too many opportunities where you're up for an SB. So I think I had to take it 100%. Yeah. So you eye in uh, 2022? That's your yeah. year? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely excited. Um, I've been invited to a couple things this year, but it was just hard with the schedule-wise with uh, playing box. And, 
you know, Kosinowski and Seth uh, Tierney were really, really understanding about like, all right, he's playing box. We get that. So it's great that everyone's kind of has that understanding, even though, um, you know, the USA team that I really want to make is an outdoor team, but they understand the box game and they really respect the box game, which, you know, it's a whole different game and a whole different game of lacrosse. And people yeah. don't really real, realize that. And I mean, I think if you want to be considered, you know, the best lacrosse player ever, you got to play both like the Gate brothers and, you know, Casey Powell, you played both Tom Schreiber, Lyle Thompson. You got to be able to play both. You can't just, Hell be like, yeah. you can't, if you're, you're a really good outdoor player, you can be like, yeah, I'm one of the best outdoor players ever, but you got to make your mark in both leagues to really consider yourself the best ever for me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, those early days. It was tough. I, I learned the game from the back door is what they call it, which is playing defense. And I picked yeah. up, you know, transition and learned offense and won a championship out west and then uh, learned under one of the best offensive players the game's ever had in the indoor game in Colin Doyle. Oh, and yeah. it gave me uh, – I picked up a bunch of skill that I've taken to the outdoor game. Um and I think uh, I think that process, that experience is similar for guys like Tom and yourself and even Trevor. Yeah, Trevor is doing such a good job with face-offs. And, you know, even this year, uh, it's not even the end of the season. I think he has like four or five, six goals this year. And last year he had zero. And he's like, my stick skills are getting better. So he might be a threat. And um, Joe Nardella is a whip snake guy. And He's playing for the Black Wolves every game and taking faceoffs and Withers and, uh, yeah. you know, Jeremy Thompson. And you're just like, all right, there's so many. Jeremy's a beast. Oh, such a beast. There's so many cross, you know, between outdoor and indoor that, you know, I'm not saying you have to be the best indoor player ever to be considered, you know, a great, but you got to play in both leagues to be able to, you know, put your name up there. And I'm not even yeah. close to be up there. I'm fucking years and decades away from even putting my name up there but it's decades maybe a decade i mean you gotta you gotta earn your stripes kid but exactly you, uh, so. i mean you got your you got your first mvp though i got my first mvp my second year in the pro league let's go cheers to that so you you're gonna get your next one next year <laughs> if i don't have anything to say about it <laughs> you had the most, second you had the most points this year on your team <clears throat> nah just but I was playing with a broken back. Wait till I'm back this year. What, like Tyson? I broke my back. <laughs> <laughs> Final. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know the potential. Yeah, I know. I know you got some wheels still left on you, but how how old were you when I was uh, playing in college in 2000, 2005, 2008? You were just a young head. Oh man, I graduated high school. You probably didn't even watch college. No, I watched you in the college. You had that. Um, I watched you play against maybe Syracuse. I think you had like five or six gold. I remember. Did you guys win or lose that game, national championship to Syracuse? We lost. We yeah, lost. that was a good game. But that was like a huge, probably part of your career. Like, every it was national stage, and you were balling out there. But was that when Mikey Powell was that his senior year? Nah, Mikey was uh, four years old. I never got to play against Mikey. He he graduated uh, my senior year in high school, but I used to watch him. It was crazy the way that crowds went from probably 40,000 when he was a senior up to 
60,000 when I was a senior, then died back down. Why do you think that is? Um, I think people don't appreciate the live sports because it's on TV. But I think after people are more and more getting, I feel like live sports are kind of coming to thing again. But I think it's such easy access and tickets are so high now. Like football tickets this year are, you know, a hundred plus dollars. And, you know, families that are like middle class are not going to bring a family afford to a Eagles football game. And they're spending like, you know, after food and tailgating and inside the game, they're not going to spend like $600 on some tickets and food and everything. So they're like, it's probably easier, but, um, I don't really know why, maybe because it's so broadcast on TV and it's just an easier way to do it. But I think after this coronavirus, I think everyone's going to be itching to go to games. And I don't know what the whole standard with the PLL or the NLL or even the NFL with fans in a stadium. But I guarantee when fans can go back to a stadium that the places are going to be rocking. Yeah. Yeah. Why uh, why didn't you go to Penn State? Why did you go to Maryland? Uh, why did you're I a Philly guy. That's like a. That's kind of like fake Philly, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I'm back on you for a second. <laughs> I went to Maryland just because the fit. Um, Penn State wasn't really established yet. Tambroni was like his first year there, and uh, I visited so many schools. And some schools I won't name names were like, like you have like 30 days to commit or yeah that was a crazy time you were you were playing during a different time than me we used to get this we used to get time to make a decision so i was like my sophomore year they're like you have that and i was like i gotta go look at like five other schools yeah i don't even have time to do that and they're like you got 30 days or some of your scholarships going to be gone and you know, Coach Tillman looked at me after a visit and was like, I know this is a place for you. I'm blue collar. Your family's blue collar. Go check out any school you want and as many schools you want. Your scholarship will be the same no matter what it is. Your scholarship will be the same. And guess what? You'll have a place here and a home here. But I want you to go visit other schools because this is the most important decision of your life. And, you know, I respect that. And after everything and just seeing – the culture of Maryland, how everyone sticks together and everyone sees it in the pros now um, with like the turf yeah. pick and everything. We all stick together and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's probably one of the, be- it's probably the best decision I made in my life. So I'm happy I did it, but you know, I think every kid should know, like if you're listening to this podcast, take your time. It's not about the school on the front of your chest all the time. Like it might be cool going to Maryland Hopkins, UNC or something, but you got to fit in there or you're going to be miserable for four years. It's, it's all about, you know, it's not just about lacrosse, it's about school. It's about social life too. It's you're living there for four years. You don't want to live somewhere where you're not going to like, and just, you know, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to live. It's, blah, it's blah, about blah. your connection with the people too. I remember yeah. I committed to Hopkins because of Petro. You know, right. and Seth Tierney at the time and Bill Dwan and, you know, and then I, and then Seth ended up taking a job at Hofstra and I got Bobby and like, you know, the, the school is important. It, it, wet, you know, it wets your beak, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make your decision. The decision you make is based on the coaches and the players that are there. It's I mean, hard though. Cause a lot of, they went through a phase where, where, where players weren't even taking their visits. They were just making decisions on pedigree. 
you got kids in eighth grade committing. It's like you don't even have your driver's license. You don't even know if to take a right or left turn. That is a bus, mess. Right? And then I'm like in 10th grade and, you know, we're at a different time period now than kids where we're – we could go out with the team and actually see what a social life would be and have someone watch over you and just make sure you're all right or whatever, whatnot. But I don't think anyone can go out with the team now if they're in high school or, I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but I'm just like, uh, it's just different. It's different. Who did you, uh, when you took your official visit, when you took your visit, who did you stay with? I stayed with Kevin Forster. He was a uh, he was a terp. He's a Philly guy, and he's like best friends with Nico. He ended up transferring after his, uh, I think his redshirt junior year, and went to St. Joe's down the street. But uh, we hung out with everyone. Travis Reed, Ryan Young, yeah. and Tra- Tra- Ryan Young, and Travis Reed have a huge part of why I committed there at Thorn Blue Chip because Blue Chip was all terps running everything there. Was it? Man, you know, I went to the, I probably went to the second or third blue chip ever. The first blue chip, I remember Andy Gallagher, who was a senior when I was a sophomore at DeMatha. He went to the first one, but blue chip used to be 99 invites. Yeah. Something like that. And then all the coaches would be there and there would be a center stage and there'd be no games on different stages. It would just be one stage you'd play. Did you do blue chip? One game at uh, one game at UMBC Field. Everyone watching. Yeah, there's a game at seven, eight, and nine, and that's it. Boom, that was and it. Then, and you went against the best. I think after two years after I graduated high school, they start doing like instead of a hundred kids, it was like two hundred kids. So they had like two or three fields, and just like, what's going it's on? It's a challenge, man. The ultimate challenge is like trying to scale and monetize the business versus keeping something really fucking Real. authentic and yeah real to the people then you know there's so many states and some states were getting left out and because they they thought their kids were the best in their state but it might not compare to other states so it's just I, I understand where he's going where they were going from where they were having tryouts in florida and everywhere but uh it's just a, it's probably I, I know blue chips done now so it's definitely probably hard like why not blow it up and make as much money and so so many kids on so the you you were the number two recruit in the land. Yeah. Um, My senior what if year. You were the number, what, would, what if you were the number 200? Would you have felt more pressure around those coaches that say, hey, you got 30 days? I, I definitely would. I think anyone would. If you're like, all right, well, I felt like I had some kind of leverage because I was such a high recruit and I had so many different offers and almost like every college coming after me. But – I was a 200th recruit. I don't know if some maybe Maryland wasn't wouldn't be interested or someone else wouldn't be interested. So I think it would definitely give me some more pressure. But that doesn't mean you have to go to the best school for lacrosse. Even though your ultimate goal is probably to win a, nat, a national championship, but it's like you got to go there to have some fun. And you know, co- the college life is the best life for those four years. You can't go back to those four years. And post-grad has been amazing for me. I love post-grad. But I'll you still that. say college is the best? You still say college is the best? Oh, man. Yeah, 100%. College is the best life because you can't go back and you can't hang out with your teammates every single day and you can't practice with your teammates every single day. And when you win a championship with your college, it's a little bit different from winning the pros. I don't know yeah. if you felt that way, but I felt that way because maybe I lost my first two, but 
man, I put so much heart and love into it. And it wasn't because, you know, it was Maryland versus the whips. And it's just like, I was with these guys for four years straight. And I've seen everyone, you know, go at it, blood. I see people cry. I've seen everything like you fights at practice. You know how it was at uh college. It was a bloodbath during the yeah. fall. Oh my I God. I mean, I still say, I still say this about, you know, any pro league is that, you know, once you get to the next level, you never have that college experience because you're all the same age and living together and going through the same shit. In pros, I mean, take the NFL. You have guys who are playing quarterback who are 40 years old with wife and kids. Yeah. And they got their own responsibilities from their 23-year-old center who's snapping them the ball. And so it's just different. It doesn't even matter necessarily about number of practices. We're all going through this. All sports are going through this virtual connection that we have to make so we can stay sharp for the season. But, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's different for sure. I do definitely respect the um, older guys on both the teams I play for now that, you know, after a win or a loss, if the team is hanging out and they come out and hang out, I, I, I really appreciate that because I think that's so – that's such team chemistry and that people don't know. It's hitting team chemistry about hanging out and going out. And, might you know, maybe you have a beer or two or maybe it's just – you're playing down in the lobby. We were playing cards a lot this year, and uh, I was losing every fucking game. But what kind of cards are you all playing? We were playing this game. You were playing Texas Hold'em? Because you challenged me over over Instagram and Hold'em, and I was like, you don't want this. You take that picture by yourself, or you self-timer that? Or you this is going to be some or, smoke. Did you have, did this you is going to be some smoke. If you want Hold'em, man, I grew up on Hold'em. Did you have Brett take that picture of you flicking the cards up in the air? Nah, man, I'm it? fully self-quarantined. All right, y- well, y'all forget. Y'all forget that I uh, I'm I'm self-made, man. Right, I used to I, vlog I, with a GoPro and a you know a Canon camera in my crib. I figured I this shit out on my own. But me, Trevor, and Blaze been playing uh, you know three three way Texas Hold'em, which is totally different than playing with like seven people. But whenever you want that smoke, we can download something and you're winning them. We're, we're bringing the money too. Nah, playing playing without money is a different deal. And all of a sudden, you play with money, and then people start oh. sweating. And I can see that leaking on your forehead. And yeah. then I make a read. We only and I put play. you in a tough spot. We only play with money here. We even have a. Yo, you're talking player. to someone who started a league with uh, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. You think I care about gambling on twenty dollar Texas Hold'em? No stakes. Come on. All right, it's about pride. And about too. to take your shit. I'll make you bend that knee too. Come on, bend that knee. <laughs> Whatever you want. The next PLO game, we get me, Trevor, Blaze. We'll get yourself. We'll get a bunch of people. Whoever wants to be in this Texas Hold'em thing. Yo, what do you think about this? I keep this on my desk. Celebrating 125 years. Look at all them, all those Hopkins trophies. What do I think about that? I say, uh, what, what do you want me to say? Yeah, there's a lot of trophies, but what I want you to the, genuflect, motherfucker. But when, but when was I want, the last, it, I want you to bend the knee, motherfucker. But when was your last one? When I was there. But this is my last one right here, right next to me. If, if I wish the people <laughs> could see it, because I'm showing you my championship hat, national championship 2017, which we should have probably been in the final four last year, but they were going to call that crossbar goal a goal. 
Come on, man. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't watch college lacrosse anymore. Oh, you don't? Nah. Damn. You don't love the game of college lacrosse anymore? You don't, <laughs> you don't watch your Hopkins boys? I watch Hopkins exclusively. That's so, if, That's you know, last couple of years, rule out Final Four, I'm out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> you guys haven't been, you guys haven't been big tipping lately, like the Turfs, man. I'm telling you, there's a school out there that's looking for a head coach, Dave Petromala, that will take your team to the top. You think? I think. I think. Hell yeah. I think it does have to do a lot with uh, if you bring a big coach time like that into like a little program, kids are gonna go. They're gonna, they're I mean, gonna honestly, it, it, uh, there's a lot of outside factors that I'm not privy to, and uh, and I think you know the the latest happenings at Johns Hopkins indicates that look this 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 challenge that uh, the program is facing right now that's probably existed over the last four years. Yeah, you got to give just like just like Stags giving you space. Administration has to give Petro space. Administration has to give any coach space to do what they do. And the minute that space is infringed with, then you're never going to tap potential. And we know, we know what your potential is. We know what Petro's potential is. We know what my potential is. We know what other talent's potential is. And it's a tricky, uh, it's a tricky thing to balance. But you got to give space to talent. I just think uh, – I, I don't think they did – I don't think they handled it the best way, like – this no. dude, this dude, this dude put Johns Hopkins on the map, no and doubt. you guys, and you guys are just gonna throw him out. Yeah, if you guys were gonna fire him or you guys were gonna part separate ways, I don't, I didn't read into it that well. I just, I hang out with Tucker every other day because we work out together, so I want to hear a snippet of it. But like, you couldn't have done it like towards the end of this Corona thing, not dead center in the middle. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, th- this guy has been the coach for twenty years. He was the best player in the country while he was there. He's arguably the best defender of all time. Right. And it's going to be a short press release on his departure. Yeah. He's not like, – I, would, you know, I, I wouldn't be saying anything. I'd be like, all right, I'm out. I had a great time. I love my players. I love my staff. The, the, the latest hiring um, is going to unfortunately be caught in the crossfires because, you know, as an alum, you support – where the program is going to go and you, and you hope that it goes in the right direction. But at this stage, it's like, you know, you take care of your own and uh, coach Petro is one of our own. And if you feel like, you know, family was treated poorly, then you handle that until it's handled appropriately. And right now the feeling across the alums is that it wasn't handled right. So it's going to be a, a, a long road until it is. Well, he better come in and Until be ready is. for that I mean, Maryland game because he he better know how big that game is before he gets there. Or shit, man, that's gonna be bad. <laughs> you don't know about that game until you've been in it, or and, and that means as a player, or as a coach. And if you haven't been in it, you don't know. The hype is there, and everyone can say, "Oh, I've been there." And There's just the shit game. in the air, man. There's shit in the air. Fans don't experience it, even that are there in person. Not even my first time on the freshman year on the field. I forget who was uh, one of the defensemen. Oh, man. Or my freshman year, 2013. He was a really good defenseman. Oh, man. I forget his name. 
But I remember when we were saying good game, he was like, I'm going to fucking crush you. And I was like, all right. This he, is said, he said he was going to kill you. He was like, yeah, I'm going to kill you, young And man. I was like, he was like 15 at the time, like Joe Walters. We both were 15 our freshman year. Then we went to one, baby. Channy was, <laughs> one, my, was one my freshman year. That's right. The is that what you wanted? You try to buy it off of him? No, nah, I'll rock with nine. I'll let the old head have it for, you know, it's all good. I remember I took 19 my freshman year. As Matt Rakowski was number nine. And then we won my freshman year, and he came up to me in the bar after the championship, and he was like, I'm giving you nine. And I was like, my dude. Yeah, I mean, I got my jersey on the PLL thing. I'll keep number nine for a little bit. I like it. I'm probably going to keep yeah. it till, you know, forever now, like whatever. Might as well rock with it. I keep – I remember my my rookie year in the league, this dude Tom Zumo who played at RIT or something like that was number nine for the Boston Cannons, and I tried to buy it off of him. I tried to take him out to dinner, and I was like, all right, I'm going to step aside. I'll take 99, and I had a rookie of the year season, and, uh, and I just kept it because we traded him the next year, and they're like, you want nine? I was like, nah. What do you think about wearing 99 with Gretzky wearing 99? I mean, look, Gretzky's one of the best of all time, but it's a different sport. I mean, if I was playing hockey, I'd probably fret a little bit more, like if I was playing hoops and wearing 23. Right. Uh, but, you know, you I think, yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember when I played indoor, a lot of the Canadians were on me about wearing 99, and I was like, yeah. oh, guys, this ain't, this ain't hockey, man. Yeah, you think LeBron I think gets broadly, it? man, our sport needs to step up. Our sport needs to step the fuck up. It's what we're doing with the PLL. I think college needs to step up. Um, you know, I think our media needs to step up, and uh, we need to professionalize this thing. We need to grow up. We need to take – uh, shit more seriously. We need to, um, you know, let our personalities grow. We need to cover the game differently. And that's what's just what it requires if we're going to be a big dog. Otherwise, like, we're going to continue to be on the sideline. I, I agree with you. Uh, everyone needs to just be true to themselves on their own social media. And um, that's, I think, especially where I'm living right now with Trevor and Blaze, I think we all have big personalities. And we don't shy away from showing our personalities on camera, on our own Instagram. Don't shy away, baby. We're real to ourselves, and I think more people have to be real to ourselves, and I think more people are scared to be real themselves, and they'll post, and it's like, man, I've talked to you a hundred times. You don't really talk like that. Like, why are you being so, like, you know, so proper? Like, just be yourself. People want to follow you for you, not because of, like, you're a lacrosse player. They want to they want to follow you because they're interested in you as a person and a player, not just because you're blah, blah, blah. Like, be true to yourself. Show these people, show these fans who you really are. That's what I try and do. I'm not going to hide anything. My guy. Love that. We'll end it there. I love it. Love it. Thanks, Thanks for hopping you. on. MVP. Thanks for having me. Until Great. I come for that shit. Go Terps. I'm going to come for it. Go Terps, go Whip Snakes, and we can cheer to go Wings because I know you're a Wings too. Go Hop. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and that's a wrap on this Unbuckled Chinstrap Show with Matt Rambo. We could have gone probably for another hour. It started getting a little bit hectic, and I have a number of notes that we didn't cover, mainly his social media presence. He has this uh, hashtag uh, called 
help and need answers. So maybe the next time Rambo's on the show, ask him about that because we covered so much lacrosse and I really felt compelled to jump into his head and understand how he thinks about the game as he is a not only an emerging legend and current MVP, but he's going to be a part of lacrosse for years to come. So thank you, Rambo, for joining the show. And uh, we look forward to watching you this season and in future seasons. And I look forward to talking to each of you guys in the very near future. So hope you're all staying very healthy and safe. I hope you're happy with your friends and family. You're quarantined. You're taking this time very seriously. And when we get out of it, the PLL will be here to greet you with Matt Rambo and the old head, Paul Rabel. Talk to you soon. Mm.